Welcome back to Empathy Always Wins, the world's youth leadership show. The world's youth leadership mental health show by this weird guy called Ali Salama. I don't know where he's from, but he's uh, he's obviously like a very, very, very unusual, strange guy. But this is going to be a very, very, very interesting episode. I just want to say welcome back to this show that is only going to be talking about how we can become better empathetic leaders, learning from how we can better navigate our mental health and understand other people's mental health so we can become better leaders. Now, here's the surprise. Today's episode is, is a very special one, and it's, a, it's one that I've been sort of keeping at the back pocket of mine. Um, we recorded it on April 7th, I believe, um, 2020 with a very special person, a very, very, very uh, dear person to my heart. Uh, this person goes by the name of Dr. Nasser Loza. He is, uh, for those who may not know, Dr. Nasser Loza is the president-elect of the World Federation for Mental Health. He became a member of the Royal College of Psychiatrists in 1987 and a fellow of the college in 1995. He served as the Secretary General for Mental Health in Egypt between 2006 to 2011 and the Chairman of the Scientific Council of the Arab Board of Medical Specializations from 2012 to 2017. And as of 2014, he became an Honorary Fellow of the Royal College of Psychiatrists. He is a member of the editorial board of the Arab Journal of Psychiatry and the British Journal of Psychiatry, and he served as the chairman of the Middle East's division of the Royal College of Psychiatrists. Dr. Nosso Loza is the director of the Behman Hospital, the Mahdi Psychology Center, and practices at several Behman consultation clinics in Cairo, as well as the International Clinic in London. So our conversation with Dr. Nasser, whom I consider my second father, was during the time where he was diagnosed with Corona. And uh, Dr. Nasser is a pretty renowned figure in, in Egypt. So um, at the time, I actually didn't get the news, you know, from him. He was, he was quite tired and he wasn't in his best health. So when a friend of mine, knowing the relationship I have with Dr. Nasser, messaged me asking me, hey, is Dr. Nasser all right? And I was like, yeah, what's up? I mean, me and, me and Dr. Nasser uh, speak, you know, every week. I spend time with him quite often when we go back to Egypt. He's my mentor on, on so many different levels. Um, we have sort of a father-son relationship in many ways. And so that was like quite, quite, quite surprising when a friend of mine sort of asked me, is he okay? So um, just to fast forward, he wasn't okay. And he wasn't really picking up you know, really got me concerned and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't too long, you know, instantly in that second I sent him a text and I sent a text to um, a very close friend, mutual friend of ours, uh, not even a mutual friend of ours, she's called Dr. Anne Justice, she is one of the, you know, best psychologists in, in Egypt and, uh, you know, it's just something hands down, I, anyone that comes, uh, that comes and asks me, I, I need someone that I can really rely on. Dr. Anne is, uh, is our to go to, and Dr. Anne and, and Nasser are, you know, very close. I would say people of, 
of, of authority of, of people that I really look up to. So when I messaged Dr. Ann, she did tell me that in fact Nasser was recovering, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that long before Nasser got on a phone call with me, and um, we were. We, 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 were, we were back. I was, I, was, I was very delighted that he was okay. And um, I asked him, hey, this would be a great opportunity for you to sort of, you know, have, um, have an interview with us, um, Empower Magazine. And, you know, you are our supporter. And I would love to, to get in, involved in seeing how your mindset developed and, and how this coronavirus disease um, impacted you as as a, as a very renowned figure in the in the world of mental health. So he automatically said, hey, I would love to do it. Um, let's set it up next week. I would have, you know, I would feel a little bit better then. And um, that was that. So today, our conversation, and for the first time we're airing this interview, um, it's going to showcase somebody who really well now he's a lot better now he's he's doing very well and um he 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 uh he's also this this really affected the perspective of you know being mentally okay because during that time we will get to hear how he um absorbed everything around uh, the coronavirus the mood changes and bearing in mind that he lives diagnosing people setting prescription medications for people he has a very interesting perspective on how sort of as a leader we should come together and share our voice so without further ado you know we're quite a bit into the 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 episode and i hope you guys can appreciate uh the fact that this person is a very very dear person to me he's a he's he's not only a professional uh that i admire he's someone i could easily call my second father so this is a very personal episode for 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 me and for empathy always wins and i hope you enjoy it just as much as i did with my team at empower so with that being said let's dive deep into today's episode with the one and only dr nasser loza this is part of what i want to talk about that one should not be embarrassed about one's condition this is exactly what i want to talk about perfect Okay, well, fire away. I mean, do you, uh, right. do you want me to tell you a bit about my granddaughter? Or yes, please, please, please. This is, uh, this, is a, this is a very special time for us. Well, I want to tell you it's a very special time for me too. Uh, I am, by background, a psychiatrist. Okay. And uh, I have uh, spent 40 years of my life working in clinical practice. I've also spent a great deal of time in my life advocating for the rights of people with uh, mental illness. But, you know, uh, this is one of the most special interviews of my career. Because, uh, as Ali might have mentioned, uh, I have uh, suffered an episode of pneumonia due to COVID-19, coronavirus. Uh, I was pretty unwell. I had to be admitted to hospital. I was under oxygen there for 10 days. And I got superb treatment. Uh, and I'm now cleared, uh, and I've been tested negative twice. But what I would really want to talk to you about is, even with 40 years' experience in working in the field of mental health, and I, in my role as president-elect of the World Federation for Mental Health, I see that one of my main missions is to advocate for a healthy 
mental approach to life. I want to tell you that when I first developed those symptoms a couple of weeks ago, I was in denial. I kept on saying, no, it's not me. This is just a flu. When I had headache, I kept saying, no, this is sinusitis. I used every psychological trick that I tell people not to until I had to face the facts. And I did my scans and I did my tests. And I said, look, uh, you know, that's a virus. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. I took myself, went to hospitals here in Cairo because I, I had just returned in London when all this happened. And I must, I really must praise the health services that I've received here in those hospitals. <laughs> not, not just the medical protocols, but the care, the doctors showing up in the middle of the night. The nurses were outstanding. And I was out of hospital within 10, 11 days. It's going to take me a long time of recovery at home. But if there's yeah. one message I want to give you people, and please relate that to others, mm-hmm. because empowering is, is an important part of that. We need to empower ourselves and others that denial is not in my favor. I think yeah. if you suspect that you suffer from a condition, go and get treatment. That must be the intelligent thing to do. So I've done all the talking. You're going to ask me questions. Perfect. I'll let Rabia take the lead. Okay, um, so during times like these, uncertainty is one of the common denominators and it's definitely something that is associated with fear, panic and loss, especially with looking at the different death rates. So how does fear and panic um, and with loss, how does that affect our mental health and our mental perspective um, when we face with these concepts? Well, yeah, I, I, I wasn't afraid of dying. We're going to die one day. I've often told myself I've had a great life. I've been fulfilled in many things. Mm-hmm. And if I have to die at 65 or 75 or 85, that's all it makes a difference. The great fear was not that I don't make it out of this illness and I die. It's going to happen one day. Yeah. The great fear is the realization of how much misery there has been around in this world that I wasn't able to see for 60-something years. And it wasn't being afraid of not living longer. It's feeling that I have been treated out of the past 60-something years of my life. We, we sometimes live in our denial. We live in our bubble. We live thinking that the world is you know, a beautiful place and there's no problems. There's so much pain. There's so much misery around us. Yeah. It was a life-changing experience. And I urge you, young people, to take your social responsibilities seriously. It is such a great relief when you get to an older age or when you feel at a critical point in life to know that you have done your share to your generation, to your humanity, and to the society around you and to future generations. I think this was my concern. Thank you so much. That is such a valuable message. And I think like it's not only valuable to us in our generation, but also to older people as well. Um, nothing nothing then, is as important when you get older and you think you're not going to live longer. Nothing is as important as thinking I have done what I could do for this world. Thank you. Well, Lahi Nasser, um, I just want to say something. Um, and that you know uh, how much you've supported me, and I know this is not just because it's on the record. It is, uh, I'm just publicly saying I, I couldn't have been where I am if it wasn't for someone like you 
garnishing and, and, and tarnishing this seed inside of me because you you enable us. You you a decision like this enables someone like myself to put a team of world class people around the world. We're ten people now, writers in eight different countries. This is not possible. This digital revolution is happening. Yes, but only people like you that give us this platform to then go up and use our voice. This is how this is how change happens. Not other not the other way. And this is why like this interview for me is is is, is equally if not more important and more special in my in my career. Uh, I wanted to say this. Thanks, Ali, but I'm not doing it for you or for your friends. I'm doing it because this is the right thing to do. 100%, 100%. And I want to say that many people have wanted to do uh, many, many important movements, say this mental health, and they've never had this. They've never had this privilege or they've never, I see this privilege that I have with you as a responsibility, which is what you're, again, echoing and telling us to do. This is, we are youth, but so many people want to do something and, and can't. And through this message, maybe through this COVID crisis, we can then realize that how important we, 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 we can play a role in this world. Because yes, there is, there is a lot of misery, but we really can do a lot. Again, I just want to say, God, thank you, Min Alvi. Thank you. Well, good luck to you all. So, um, Dr. Nasser, um, so you spoke about like one of the things that you experienced was denial. Um, can you just, were there any other things? Like, did you have anxiety as well? Or was it just only denial? And how did you overcome that? Denial was the first, first defense mechanism. That was the first issue. Uh, and then I went through my periods of depressions. I had some difficult mornings waking up. Uh, the, the virus in its own right, the antiviral medications, the antibiotics that were on, all caused mood changes. Uh, as I say, uh, no, depression was the hardest one. I wasn't anxious if something would happen to me. You know, I feel no, no one is indispensable, and we all come to an end of our life one day. That wasn't the source of my anxiety. But I was anxious to feel that, that maybe I haven't done enough in my life. And yes. uh, because, as I was telling you, this life-changing experience makes you wonder, you know, could I have left more if I was to disappear tomorrow? Have I left enough impact in this world to make my life worth it? That was my anxiety. But as far as mood change, depression was worse. Depression. Um, and so, um, do you think that someone that already has um, some anxiety disorder, or in this case, like a depression disorder, do you think that someone that experiences what you experience, could that push them into a deeper mental disorder, like make de their depression worse, so that depression could evolve into different no. psychiatric disorder? D depression was a very difficult experience for anyone, particularly this morning wakening with a low mood. But, but it, does, it does change one's perspective in life. Uh, I believe now that I've done a reasonable recovery, this whole experience has, has given me a, a wealth of, of knowledge and approach into feeling how, what it's like to be vulnerable and what it's like to be depressed. It's giving me a better understanding than I would have ever had for all those 40 years of clinical practice of the feelings that people have when they're depressed. You know, I think it's made me a better person and uh, I don't regret it. Okay, thank you. Um, and... So when we, so some people that might, 
might be suffering from different forms of uh, psychological distress or mental health conditions, um, how do, how would they perceive, um, would you be able to give any idea or insight as to how they would perceive um, this pandemic? Do they see it the way we generally see it or do they see it as something very different? Depression is a painful condition. Uh, you know, I could suffer from, I don't know, cardiac problems or cancer. When you, when you suffer from a physical condition, you desperately want it to get better. Yes. You're desperately trying to find a solution, a cure, a chemotherapy surgery to get better. When I suffer from depression, it's quite a different ball game. There's a sense of hopelessness that is painful. And I don't want to get better. And that's, that's the bad part of it. So to the short answer is depression is one of the hardest conditions to deal with. And we can understand it biologically, scientifically, we can treat it. Yeah. But until one has gone through it personally, it's so difficult to understand. It is so difficult. It's just so illogical. Yeah. I'm pleased that mine didn't last too long. I'm pleased that I've done a good recovery and I'm now able to look back and say, you know, so that's what it's like. Thank you. Um, and yeah, Ali, do you want to say anything? No, I, I, I definitely resonate. You know, when we spoke, remember when we spoke at the World Health and, and all the Arab journalists did not believe that I was this guy that was laughing, cracking jokes. And, uh, and uh, here I was like telling them, yes, I'm the guy that, uh, that, 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 that this is my story too. So I felt, I, I feel exactly what you're saying. It's, uh, there is a way, there is a way, there is a, there, what I'm trying to say, it's not a black label that you're blacklisted from society because unfortunately we still have this association with uh, oh, the, 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 uh, which is, uh, a lot of people still have these traditional ways of thinking and seeing you come back and bounce back stronger and seeing me and seeing many other people that have done this, this is the voice that we want to really um, echo. Uh, far and, and, and further moving on. Uh, it's a very empowering voice and it's a hopeful voice uh, even during this very hard time of crisis. Uh, absolutely, but you know somebody in 2020 today who has a daughter who thinks he has another problem. But that's a matter for another session maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, during this time, like a lot of the governments around the world are recommending social isolation um, and social distancing. And um, how do you think that will affect societies like a few months from now or whenever we go back to normal? Do you think that the general population will have been impacted? Um, do you think that we'll have different, like maybe, different mental challenges that we'll have to go through to integrate back into like a normal working society? Honestly, I don't know what you refer to as normal. I'm not sure we were in a normal society before all this started. Uh, yeah. The world has gone through epidemics, it's gone through world wars, and they impact, they change. And the generation that has suffered those traumas they change. They perceive priorities differently. They perceive relationships differently. 
and then gradually, somehow, people move on, they get older, they die, younger people are born, and, and they forget. You know, those of you who, well, none of you would have, but if you had read the traumas of the Second World War in Europe, the millions that died, if, it has taken decades and decades for the world to try and turn the page and go back into the world of consumerism that we had very rapidly gone into. Now, I have no doubt that when the current pandemic is over, people will live differently. They will interact differently. Uh, I, I haven't seen a family member or a friend since March 17th. If you told me three months ago that this would happen to me, I would have freaked out. You know, I, I lived a life where I, I cherished people around me. I, it was important for me to socialize, to go out, to work, to go to conferences. And now for the past weeks, I've literally been on my own. I've been reading. I've uh, taken up playing the piano again. I spend time in the garden and, and, and look at the plants and get more flowers and have a pond with frogs in it. But it's just a different way of, it's just a different way of, of uh, uh, receiving life. Uh, I have been in a car for days and days, maybe a couple of weeks. And I don't miss it. I really don't miss it. Uh, this whole... Uh, we were really living in a, uh, in a society of consumerists that well, there's a competition that's totally logical, really, absolutely logical. No, I, I think we'll, uh, at least for this coming generation, the world will be a different place. Work will be different. Yeah. Uh, people will work from home and people will stay in smaller communities, which, in my opinion, is not a bad thing at all. Yeah. yeah. How do you think, how do you think uh, communication will be different? Uh, moving forward, like how do you think? Because um, uh, my question is, is, is this first and foremost? I have been personally on a lot of Zoom calls more recently, and uh, the question is, you know, I, I also feel uh, I wouldn't say depressive symptoms, but I I feel low on energy, very low on energy every day. I don't think this this as much as it's effective, as much as social distancing is effective. There's still something that we need as human beings, and you, of course, know a lot more from from yeah, talk about endorphins or oxytocin, or there are many chemicals that that that, that we need to nurture being together. Um, how do you see communication different, or do you see us uh, do you see us behaving differently moving post COVID? Or, or look, you, you, your you, your generation is so lucky. When I was I was around your age in my early twenties when I was doing my studies in psychiatry in London. And I used to call my family once a week on Monday afternoon for about three minutes. And that was such an extravagant thing to do that I couldn't even tell my friends I was doing that. It was such a spoiled thing. Once a week, talk to your parents. Now, look at you. You, you have, you know, you called me today and you said you want to stay on message, or you want to go on Zoom, or you want to go on Skype. Or, the world will change. Technology is changing. But things are better. And, and, and uh, I think it, it just makes much more sense that people will work online, will continue to be friends online. Uh, and, and it's a healthy living. You avoid the stress of transportation. That it is every, by necessity, this is going to happen. 
Um, and like on the topic of technology, do you think that, because obviously we use technology for work now, we use it for social, we also have a lot more people because they're at home and for different reasons, they're consuming a lot of different forms of entertainment. And, you know, the routines that they've built up are now um, changed. Maybe people will sleep later in the morning because they spend more time up at night. Um, do you think that that will impact, um, can change how we socially and cognitively relate to each other? Because we're so, we're already used to through the screen, but now during this time, um, obviously that's increased. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll have an impact, but there are no options. I mean, it's not like, should we do it or should we not do it? There are no options. We will learn to live online. We will learn to prioritize other things. And, and whether we agree or disagree, it's reality. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's what's going to happen. You know, when you think the time people energy and put into, I have to go to the office today, what am I going to wear? Uh, I'm going to do this, transportation, how long is it going to take me? I'm going to be late, I'm stressed, I'm at work. You go up there. It's, it's so much stress for unnecessary things. Yeah. It's, uh, I, th I think, I think, you're, I think you, your generation is lucky. I think you're going into a better world. And it's always like this. When there's been trauma, suffering, and pain, mm -hmm. the generation that survives, that survives with a deeper sense of responsibility and taking life more seriously. And then your children and grandchildren would learn how to become a bit more superficial and frivolous and consumerism again. And then there'd be another trauma. That's been the story of humanity, guys. Yeah. That's so interesting because, you know, a lot of the things online are like, there's a lot of fear being created um, when you read these articles, like what's going to happen when we go back? And then you have this totally like this very healthy perspective because obviously you've lived longer than all of us and you have more insight. So yeah, it's very interesting seeing, having that conversation, not this like fear-driven, anxiety-driven conversation of what's going to happen. It's, it's, um, it's, silly. it's silly to be afraid that something's going to happen to me. But of course it's going to happen to me. We'll have to die of something one day, won't we? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. The, the, the issue here is not if I die, because I will die. The issue is not when, I have no idea when I'm going to die. The issue is that by the time I've died, what yeah. have I done? What have I left behind me in this world? So please concentrate on that, you young people. Yes, definitely. I think even just having this conversation, you know, also the questions that I drew up, you know, were based on a lot of things that I read around um, the situation and what people were talking about. And then having this conversation with you and this is actually the most important lesson out of this completely because yeah like what is your life worth if you haven't contributed or uplifted other people or society i'm going to ask your permission that i ask ali's help to translate this because i think oh. that would summarize it all oh. there, there is this uh, is this joke this proverb in arabic can haramiu That's exactly the point. You see, what am I aiming for in life? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, there's an analogy of like 
in Egypt, we call like uh, we call a, a specific demographic uh, a, a name. It's called Saidi, and they they're 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 more ignorant, and they they do a lot of things in a very funny way. And basically, the analogy says, uh, Saidi, uh, a Saidi was running after a thief." And then and then so he was he was chasing him and he beat him like he didn't catch him he, he beat him and it's funny because he was chasing him and he forgot that he was coming <laughs> and he just beat him <laughs> so like this is the problem that the Nasser and and as I say you see the, the, the intelligent thing for young people today is to say what do I want to do in my life yeah. Not how far I'm going to go in my life. Because you could go, you could just go unnecessarily far. Yeah. Not how long my life is going to be. No one of us knows how long we're going to live. But yeah. what is my aim? What do I want to achieve? And, and can I do things in that direction? And you've got such a powerful platform. Happy and, power. Happy. And, and, you know, you're, you're do, you've done so much in a short period. <laughs> but I can see this continuing really in, in, in an extraordinary way. So, wish you all the best of luck. One last thing, one last thing. One thing you want to share about your experience with Corona that, uh, and I know you probably said this earlier, if you want to reiterate one thing that, uh, that, that is the main takeaway that we as, 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 as youth would, uh, would want to hear from you from your coronavirus experience. Yes, stop denial. Stop telling yourself it can't be me. Okay. I nearly lost my life because I didn't want to admit to myself how unwell I was. Yeah. We, we all use defense mechanisms. We all deny things to ourselves. But guys, this is a virus. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Yeah. If I have a problem, go and check it out. Go and get yourself tested. Go and get medical help. Don't sit there convincing yourself it can't be me. No, it could be any of us. Yeah. It could be any of us. So I hope that's a message that's going to go down well to others. I want to reiterate that because this isn't just a message in coronavirus. This is mental health is health. Um, and, and, and denial happens with, with mental and physical health as well. And I feel that this is a very iconic message right here because uh, we want to carry this uh, forward in, 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 a, in, a, in a very holistic way. Um, Nasser, I want to say thank you. Uh, we have two members. I just want to introduce them because they just came instantaneously when I said that you were coming on and they're very iconic members on the team. I want them to personally say hi to you. Uh, Ali Loza. Uh, Ali is my right-hand man uh, for producing Asrar Nafs. And Maryam Azem is, uh, is an Egyptian uh, Pakistani. Ali is uh, Egyptian. He is living with, with us in Toronto. And Maryam is also living with us in Toronto. I'd love, to, I'd love them to say hi and introduce themselves in a minute. Ali, go for it. Hi, Ali. Hi, hi Dr. Nasser. How are you? And yeah, no, it's, it's uh, very insightful. Uh, listening to you and thank you thank you for all that insight and personally I hope the, the world goes back to normalcy much quicker than you expect but uh, it'll go it'll go back to a good word Yali but uh, it'll go back to a different world there's going to be a different world yeah I was actually reading an article about that because they just opened up Wuhan and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's not, not looking too good over there still but now well, people have changed <gasps> Absolutely, absolutely. Maria, go for it. 
Hello. Um, yeah, I just want to thank you for your insight as well. I currently have like a couple family members that are quarantined because they have the virus, but they're doing well, alhamdulillah. But um, it just, it, it helped me like better understand like what it is that they're going through because it's just their whole household. So they're not really, you know, talking with Eddie, seeing anybody. So this definitely helped me understand. So thank you. I'm glad it's been of some help. Yes. I mean, I don't think there's a family in this world that hasn't got one or two members now. We're yeah. getting there. But we're, I, I promise, you, promise you we're going to get into a better world after all this. I know you've done so much in this 20 minutes. I don't think you've spoken that, that long in, in, in a couple of days. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I know very well how much. Thank you, guys. thank you so much, Habibi. Okay, thank all you. the best. All thank the best. Bye bye. That was it. Um, wow. So as I'm editing this right now, I um, it's basically October 11th. It's one day after World Mental Health Day, and it's absolutely crazy because this was what april 7th and the lessons that you know i'm listening with you guys to nasser and you know with with what rabia and and what the team were were listening to with you guys as well the lessons are just as relevant today as they are as they were back then so i just want to say thank you for tuning in and uh please uh, leave your rating uh, a review as well on apple and, and give us a thumbs up um, on Instagram as well. Um, just if you appreciate the show and if you really want to stay tuned with Empathy Always Wins, we're always going to try to bring a message forward to really empower changemakers. Um, I think that, you know, we need leaders that can learn from people like Dr. Nasser, from, you know, every single person that has a voice and and by the way guys I, I think that it's so valuable that we bring also people who are students who have lived experience who are looking for jobs who you know it's so relevant right now to talk about the conversation of leadership with mental health because it's not like work you know our work life isn't part of our life it is part of our life and it actually dictates a lot of how we feel. Um, you know, when we were in school, whenever something happened in school, we would go back home and it would be, we would feel the bullying. We, we, it impacts our life. It impacts the way we see ourselves. So sometimes we forget that work and life, there's no such thing as they're different. They impact and they influence one another. If your work is negatively impacting your life, is putting too much stress your life, you will feel stressed and let's just make sure that we talk about conversations that allow us to live a better quality life and 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 only through um you know podcasting only through the courage to speak up and actually enjoy these conversations will we be able to impact and influence change so i know i'm getting a little bit passionate here but thank you guys so much again for tuning in um this is a weekly show um we will still uh, we're still gonna set on the date whether uh whether or not it's gonna be every monday or every saturday or every saturday and monday where we will have um episodes so um keep keep a close eye on my instagram account and on and at empathy always wins 
Um, but for today, this is it. And I just wish you all a lovely, lovely, lovely day. Wherever you are in the world listening to this, again, my name is Ali Salama, and I truly honor and appreciate your time. And may you have a blessed day. Thank you. Good night and good evening. Bye bye. Oh, sorry about that. In life and in business, empathy always wins. Did you see that radio show? <laughs> I'm joking. Thank you guys so much. Have a lovely day. Bye.